Hi, this is Lisa, and you are listening to I Love That Movie. This podcast is for movie lovers. It's not an unbiased opinion. It's not a straightforward review. It's just a couple people talking about a movie that they love. The format is each week I have a guest, and that guest and I discuss a movie that they love, something they're obsessed with, something they connect with. We'll talk about the plot, the director, and the actors, but we'll also talk about the personal connection my guest has with that movie. So if that sounds like something you want to listen to, keep listening. Um, this week's going to be a little bit different from previous episodes. Um, if you're just tuning in, as you heard in the intro, typically each week I have a guest and we talk about a movie that we love, but today we are celebrating our six-year anniversary of the show. So six years of I Love That Movie, six years of wonderful guests, wonderful episodes, and this year we decided to do something different. In previous years, I would look at the stats of all the episodes and pick the episodes with the most downloads and invite those guests to come on. This time, you guys voted on your favorite episodes, and we came up with three great episodes, and they are number three, The Batman, number two, Constantine, and number one, Zack Snyder's Justice League. I guess that gives you guys a pretty good idea of my listeners, if you're just now tuning in. Uh, Big DC fans, as you can tell. Um, but because of that, I invited these three guests to come back and talk about their episodes. So I'm going to go ahead and play that now. Well, Phil, thank you for coming on. You are—you um, had our third most listened to episode of last year, um, which was The Batman. So invited you to come back. Say hi, Phil. Hello, Phil. um no that that's actually really awesome congratulations on on that for just you know getting getting the downloads in general but that that's really cool that's that's an accomplishment i never thought i'd have but i guess considering it's batman i guess that makes sense right (laughs) my top three just so you know they were the batman constantine (laughs) and the justice league so oh okay kind of tells you something about my listeners Yes, I think you have a pretty, pretty uh, DC biased fan base in a good way. I mean, obviously, but I agree. I have to agree <laughs> as a DC fan. So, um, so that's one reason I think why this episode did so well. But I also think that a lot of it had to do with, um, with you, the guest, and the way that you talked about this movie, how much you loved it. Uh, what do you think? What are your thoughts about why people like this episode? I can't really disagree. I mean, I mean, if you've seen my social media feed, it's called unfiltered for a reason. I'm pretty <laughs> opinionated when it comes to a lot of certain things. But when it comes to Batman, yeah, I mean, he's one of my favorite characters and I will always take the chance to talk about him in any way, shape or form. And even on the live action movie side of things with that movie in particular and, and you know, our, our, you know, our repertoire from, you know, my past shows like superhero stress and, and, oh, and yeah. other things, right? Like we, we've just been good friends through that number of years so i think our chemistry probably had something to do with it too um just on a conversational level so i mean i mean going going back to like when we did birds of prey right like when when before everything got hectic and crazy and 
things mm-hmm. turned upside down. Like that was just a really fun episode. And I think, oh just, yeah, I agree. Just, just like you and I always talking about anything DC related was just always just, it's always a good time. I think when you and I talk anything, be it Batman and otherwise Cape and Cowl, I think there's, there's something to be said there, but I also think just when it comes to just being passionate about a character, their mythology, their history, and just how it can translate in many different forms on screen. There's something to be said there too. Cause I mean, we, we, you and I could talk about that, that film in particular, 10 ways to Sunday hours on end. Uh, yeah, I, I think actually, I think it was one of my longer episodes, which was good. Um, and yeah, it's just cause we have so much to say. I think when it comes to the topic of Batman, you and I have a lot of, to say on that topic. And I agree. I think we've had several years of podcasting, being on each other's shows. And, you know, we just have that. Uh, it it kind of feels, I like for my show to feel like you're just hanging out with a couple people in a room that are talking about movies and you're just like listening in on the conversation. And I feel like that particular episode was very much that way. And, you know, I, I think that this movie was so widely received by fans you know it wasn't really a controversial take on batman which is a relief considering some of the other controversial dc movies so it was just really easy to talk about yeah yeah i agree and i mean just from a a podcasting perspective right like that's that's just kind of the beauty of the shows that you and i do i would say i think yeah there's just something to be said about you know you know support your small streamers is was was the always the caption for the last few years that i've seen going around but you know support your support your podcasters obviously because that's that's just a very niche thing in general and i think you know there's there's one of two ways you could do a podcast and that's you know interview style trying to be professional or not really necessarily trying but just trying imitating that that professionalism having a you know these big names appear on your show having certain questions ready and ready willing to go and then there's just the other side of it where it's just people having fun talking about things that they love and i think that when it comes when it comes to two it's really you you can really pick or choose which one you prefer but i do feel like you get a lot more out of a person on person type of conversation where it's it's a lot more personal and it's a lot more you know I don't necessarily know there's another word that goes along well with personal, but just when it comes to fictional characters that inspire us, we can talk about them again on end. And that's why I think podcasts like this are good to exist because there is such a vast history and tapestry to pull from that you you can have endless conversations about. Whereas if you're interviewing someone, you're really just trying to pick their brain about the, the whys and the hows, whereas this is a different kind of why and how. You know yeah, I, I, I completely agree. I know exactly what you're saying. You know, if I wanted to, I could gear my podcast more towards getting, you know, famous guests from the industry or something like that. And I could have gone down that road. But the point of the podcast for me has always been that um, I'm going to be honest, you know, I don't want to drive everyone crazy in my life talking about Batman too much and movies too much. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like my husband gets it and he loves to talk about that. And I have a few friends in my life that like to talk about it. But on the whole, like you can just really go down rabbit holes the way do we do on this podcast. And this is like a safe space for it. You know, it's yeah. really nice to meet with another fan that really loves something like this or loves a movie and they just want to talk and talk about it. And that's what we're here to do. You know, so it's like a good area for that. And so that's always kind of been my bent with the podcast. And so I completely resonate with what you're saying for sure. 
And I think it's interesting that this movie kind of, but not really goes hand in hand with the 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 dc stuff more and more yeah, or less. Like, yeah like, absolutely. like the, the making of the batman does kind of go hand in hand with you know the the justice league scenario because at one mm-hmm. point the film was supposed to be a ben affleck centric batman movie with deathstroke as the villain but then obviously you know ben affleck stepped away from the role after the the fiasco that was the theatrical cut of justice league mm-hmm. and matt reeves comes in and decides to do a page one rewrite of that script but not, which in, in in and of itself to clarify isn't necessarily him going over Affleck's script and being like, I'm going to pick this, this, and this, and, and, you know, rewrite it this way. No, if I remember him saying in an interview that he looked at that script that Affleck and Johns and Terrio turned in, and he's like, this is great. This is obviously action packed. This would benefit a DC cinematic universe. This mm-hmm. isn't necessarily the Batman movie that I would want to make. And then Warner brothers, Warner Media at the time. I don't know. Would it be Warner Media? No, Warner Media was 2020. Earlier than that. And regardless, Man, you Warner remember Bro- that stuff better than I do. <laughs> I, I wish I didn't sometimes because it's just so ingrained <laughs> in my memory. But but Warner Brothers had the foresight to to honor their mantra of letting the filmmaker have the creative freedom to do what they wish. And I think by letting Matt Reeves do that, it definitely paved the way for not only other stories to be told in that vein, but but it also paved the way for, I think, Warners and DC to kind of really set themselves aside from what the other side of the fence is doing, basically what everyone else in Hollywood is also trying to do too, and start mm-hmm. a franchise. They started a franchise, but they did it in a way that wasn't interconnected to something that was prior. And I think doing that with Batman was probably their smartest play because he is their you know, he is their biggest profitable IP, I think, for, for Warner Brothers in DC. I mean, yeah, Superman's there. Obviously, Wonder Woman and Aquaman have have proven to be giant pillars in their own right in the last 10 years. But ultimately, for the last 40, 50, the biggest moneymaker for them is Batman. And I think that doing another Batman story outside of the mainline DC continuity was beneficial for them. And I think having Matt Reese tell his story the way he wanted to be told was really beneficial and refreshing for a lot of people who might not have been too keen on seeing a Batman that was interactive with, you know, Superman, Aquaman, Wonder Woman, whatever. Not to say that I'm one of those people, but I'm just saying that from a much broader perspective, there are Batman fans who do prefer him in a much solo right. perspective. And that's yeah, fine, too. That's true. You know, just don't yeah. be jerks about it. <laughs> oh, for sure. I mean, I think it's. I don't know. I see a lot of, you know, stuff on Twitter sometimes about how like why don't they focus on other DC heroes, you know, why why so much focus on Batman? It's like unfair. There's so many other characters. And it's like, well, yeah, but the other characters are always going to be a gamble compared to Batman and he's consistently brought dollars to the box office. Like yes. I'm all for them exploring um other characters, but the reality is that these movies make a lot of money and like that's mm-hmm. why there's a lot of decisions about them, you know, and why they're, why they're so important to, to Warner brothers in general. Um, and I don't I think, think that you can downplay that in any way. So yeah. Oh, go well, ahead. What were you I also think that it's specifically for this film. I really 
gave a lot of Batman fans something that they might not have gotten from either, you know, the Nolan trilogy or even from what Zack Snyder was doing with, oh, with Ben sure. Affleck, right? Because this is a Batman film that that actually features, you know, a wide cast of his rogues gallery too as supporting characters, be it villain or just supporting in, in some capacity or antagonistic role, right? Like we've got the Penguin, Catwoman, Riddler, and a little bit of the Joker mm-hmm. all in one all in one movie. Yes. And and done well. It didn't feel like a hodgepodge. It it felt like it was organically part of the story. I think if there's one upside to all that drama with Zack Snyder and just everything that's going on with DC Studios, it was that we we got this movie. <laughs> I would been definitely I would agree there. one of the yeah. highlights. Um, I mean, I'm not saying I mean, that that makes it worth it or that you couldn't have both, but just you're right. Like the the page one rewrites and stuff like that are are probably because of what happened. I mean, just looking at both, you know, Snyder's cut of Justice League and the Batman, you really do like kind of look at them, at least me anyway, I don't know about anybody else. Like Mm -hmm. I look at those and I don't necessarily see like single issue comic book film put to life. No, I see something more akin to to like a larger graphic novel. Like if you look, if you look at what, what Zack Snyder did with his cut of Justice League and what he wanted to do, that's more akin of something like a, a Grant Morrison epic giant graphic novel ish mm-hmm. kind of take and then you look at what matt reeves is doing with his corner of batman and what he wants to do it's in the same vein like these are three four hour long movies that really take time to let these characters breathe develop and learn something that they didn't necessarily have at the beginning yeah yeah especially especially true. especially pattinson's batman mm-hmm. i can see that absolutely and honestly even coming into you know the penguin series that's coming next year and then the part two that's supposed to start filming at the end of this year i'm i I look at this i look at everything that matt reeves is doing and then i keep looking at the long halloween graphic novel i have up on my shelf and i'm just like yeah i'm gonna see pretty much this whole novel come to life over the course of a decade because that's kind of what it feels like honestly i agree i agree um i don't think you're far off there at all um and you know I think with Batman too, like we talked about in the episode, and it's a great episode, you should check it out. Um, you know, he's just one of those characters that can have so many different interpretations and and audiences in general, I think, are more open to them with that character than with other characters. And I think a lot of people, specifically in this day and age and in a, in a modern context with the streaming and with, you know, VOD being so quick, I think a lot of people really, really latched on to this universe because for the first time it is, and I think we probably mentioned this in the episode too, but this is the first time where we actually see a Batman and a Gordon really playing like Sherlock and Sherlock and Watson. Yes, in, absolutely. In a story, right? And, and mm-hmm. that's, that's really appealing for a lot of people who want to see a Batman detective story be at the front and center of it. And I think that's going to continue into part two. And I'm, I'm excited to see where that goes, but just on the, on the, on the merits of the first film itself like matt reeves really took the time to craft a story where every character was interwoven and and had a meaningful presence in the story that played out but also you know one one thing that a lot of people really wanted from batman the animated series and really liked was were the riddler episodes featuring john glover as the riddler but the, the writers i don't know who but i would probably guesstimate this is probably quoted from either Alan Burnett, Paul Dini, Bruce Tim, maybe Eric Radomsky, but Radomsky was the 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 um, background artist on that on that show. But anyway, mm. the, a couple of the writers said that they they had difficulty writing riddles for the Riddler, and I oh. think 
really that when it when you think about that character yeah that that probably is one of the most challenging things you could do when it comes to doing that character but when you look at the way that matt reeves i believe matt's and tomlin and whoever else cracked the script for uh peter craig maybe i don't remember who all had writing credits on the batman but when it comes to doing the riddler i honestly i look at a lot of those riddles and it's like yeah they they feel like they're written by a zodiac killer they make sense they're on the nose Mm -hmm. they're in your face but it would take any and i don't mean this like in a mean way but any normal person would just kind of look at that and be like huh what if you look at what batman has to deal with in the context of the story he get he got them all right away mm-hmm. he knew immediately what the riddler was going for the only thing he had he did not have the foresight was was what riddler's giant plan was mm-hmm. he, could, I, he could he could solve the riddles but not the the bigger riddle which was his plan exactly yeah. exactly mm-hmm. right and so I he's think, green yeah exactly yeah and that and i think that's showcasing a, a green batman that we we don't necessarily see too much but if you've read a lot of you know if you've seen any variation of year one or zero year if you're a fan of scott snyder there's a lot of that there in in the batman as well too mm-hmm. um where batman is you know early days kind of getting the ropes of himself and kind of really understanding you know what makes these super villains tick and i think that yeah I'm, I'm actually I'm very curious to see what other villains Matt Reeves is going to pluck and pull and utilize for the second film, because I think mm-hmm. there are rumors of Clayface and they've talked about Ooh. Mr. Freeze, Hush, Court of Owls. So I I don't know. I don't know how much more full this world's going to be, but I'm I'm curious to see how full it is going to be, if yeah. that makes any sense. No, that does. Yeah. Um, well, I, I guess that kind of brings us to sort of the end here. We talked a little bit about the movie. We talked about the episode, which you guys absolutely should go listen to. Uh, I guess the last thing I want to say again is, you know, thank you so much for, for picking that episode. Thank you for coming on, you know, always appreciate having you, um, you know, both, both as a guest and as a patron and, and as a friend and, um, if you want to go ahead and plug some of your shows here and your social media, go ahead and, and feel free. Well, you know, just to return the favor again, thank you again for having me Absolutely. on to talk about talk about the movie. Um, it's always an honor to be able to talk to you about anything like that in general. Um, and truthfully, like I think there's kind of a trifecta here between you, myself, and our good friend Scott McClellan in regards to just yeah. superhero films. Because had had he not done Man of Steel, I don't think I would have promptly done the Batman. Right. I, th- I think that was the thought process I had going into that episode a little bit too, because him and Tim are doing their, their scene by scenes of both Batman, the Batman and uh, man of steel. And I I'm really digging what they do there. Uh, not to shamelessly plug DC Squadcast, but there you go, guys. Yeah, Go for it. <laughs> um, <laughs> as, as for my shows, uh, I'm usually on the four nerds every Thursday, more often than not, that's a YouTube channel. Um, I'm I'll, link it to lisa and she'll probably leave it in the notes for you guys if you guys want to also listen to my other my podcast that i do with my good friend craig and a couple other friends like jared boots and my friend terrence i've had them on once or twice uh you can listen to the eternal night basically wherever you get your podcast fix more often than not it's in apple podcasts podbean stitcher it's on spotify so yeah that, i think awesome. that that that's that's pretty much it All right, Phil. Well, thank you so much for coming on. And I'm sure that we will talk soon. I'm sure we will. Thank you again, Lisa. All right. So we are down to number two, the top, the top second most voted on movie from last year. 
uh, or episode from last year was Constantine. So I brought back Chris Balga to talk about that. Say hi, Chris. Hey, how y'all doing? Doing well. Um, so let's talk about it. Why? Why do you think this episode had so many votes? Um, I think. I mean, if I were to guess at the time, if I remember correctly, there was a lot of uh, you know. Con- uh, was it Keanu Reeves had said that uh, there was going to be another, you know, looking at some serious discussions that he would be coming back to do a sequel to the movie. And, you know, it was, it was good old time for Halloween. So Constantine's a good Halloween movie around that time. So uh, just probably some people getting, seeing the news, good time to watch it. So, and it's, and to be frank, it's a, it's a good movie. Despite despite what originally was a probably a poor box office reception, I think it's definitely found a more a bigger audience in cult following, uh, and people are seeing it with different eyes. I agree. I think you know. I remember back when it came out, there was you know we talked about it in the episode. You guys should listen to that episode. It was really good. Um, you know, a, a lot of people. It was so. It was not what the fans expected, mm-hmm. and it was also just not really in the pop culture zeitgeist right so like people didn't really know who constantine was and now we live in this world with so many different like comic book films and graphic novels i feel like it's just all more accepted than it used to be so i think this movie kind of came out of left field Mm -hmm. and i think people were used to like a supernatural film maybe being a little bit more i don't know if serious is the word maybe more grounded yeah and i think keanu reeves at the time when filming this he still hadn't reached you know he's still a very popular actor but when people have a i mean the fan base has a different opinion on what who constantine should look and sound like at that point and they get keanu reeves it's it's an unfortunate thing at the time they can't look at him without being the quote-unquote surfer dude or bill and ted or and so now we're entering a renaissance of keanu reeves thanks to his his role in being john wick there is more of like, oh, well, let's go back and, and see exactly his catalog and see that, you know, even even doing Constantine, he I think he does a great job. Yeah, I'm a fan of Matt Ryan. I think Matt Ryan is, quote unquote, the more truer form of what we would expect John Constantine to be. But then we look at shows like uh, The Sandman and we see um, a different version of Constantine, a female version of of Constantine's legacy and Mm -hmm. and so I think to your point people are more willing to be open to different interpretations that's why I love when it comes to DC they have what was Elseworlds now the black label you can take those characters and do something else with it it doesn't take away from what has been already established in canon but it puts a nice interesting spin on it and I think Keanu Reeves version of John Constantine this whole movie gives a good overview there's some good things there's some bad things with it but i think on a whole it is a it is a good movie in a in a good interpretation for the time period it was filmed in i agree i think you know to be clear this is not the constantine from the graphic novel i mean we've established that he's not british he doesn't have the same uh quick wit he's he's just a totally different person but to your point i mean he's he's an interesting interpretation and that's enough um 
and yeah, I think there's a lot less discourse online now when, when, when an interpretation is different than there used to be. Like, you know, there were probably some people that were like, oh, I wanted, you know, a male Constantine or whatever. Yeah. But you didn't hear quite the uproar that you would have heard probably like 10 years ago. So you're right. I think people are more receptive to it. And um, I was just on the uh, Visually Stunning Movie podcast and we were talking about John Wick uh, 4 and um, the host was like saying, you know, to be clear, like uh, Keanu Reeves is a good actor. I think mm-hmm. for a while um, we got stuck in this kind of like, I don't know, this this pop culture negativity about actors and like judging their acting. Like I feel like a few years ago it used to be very harsh, you know. Uh, the Razzies were really popular. And I feel like lately that's been less and less popular. People are like, I'm kind of tired of like picking on people's acting skills. <laughs> I'd rather like celebrate them. Yeah, he's not Shakespeare level, except he was in one Shakespeare. That's what I was about to say. He, he, <laughs> he, he, he did he did do that. <laughs> he did. I don't know if he shined the brightest out of that cast, but at the same time, he did a good job. And I mean, the reality is he can act. And he does what he does very well, you know, so like when when the role is tailored to him. So if he was trying to play the Constantine from the graphic novels, probably wouldn't have worked. But when you tailor it to his type of performance, mm-hmm. I think he does well. And the movie was like fun and interesting and had a lot of world building. And I think, you know, we're just I don't know, we're just in the mood for that with shows like Wednesday and other shows that do a lot of kind of like gothic, darker world building. You mentioned Sandman series. Um, I think people are just more receptive to it. And so, yeah, they're just excited about it. They're looking back on this movie with fondness. And I really appreciate that because I, I loved it, too. Oh, yeah. And, and like I think you said it best. It's like Keanu Reeves. Yeah. he OK, he did. He did a Shakespearean movie at that point. But that's not his strength. When you mm-hmm. when you see someone like right now, he's. 50 or a little over 50 years old doing his own stunts for a movie like John Wick. That's the type of movie that he's now developed into. He's taken it seriously. You can see how seriously he takes it when people say, Hey, your stuntman actually wants to do some work. So we're going to give you a break (laughs) at that point, but that's his commitment level. So people seem to forget that sometimes with these actors, like, I mean, it's, I I guess it's quote unquote, the, um, (laughs) people picking on people like Tom Cruise for, you know, certain reasons, but like the, you can't argue with the man's commitment to his craft at that point, you know, say what you want about his personal dealings, but that's, you know, we're talking about the acting side. It's good when you have a movie that's like you said, tailored towards the part, like again, Keanu, I wouldn't necessarily see doing maybe he's done drama, but he hasn't done as much lately. So I would be the one if I, Oh, I see he's doing like, what would be kind of Oscar bait movie. I'd be the kind of person that says, well, let me see, at least see what he does. He's not the first person I would think doing this, but let me see. Same thing with people said about Heath Ledger in the dark Knight. Oh, wait a minute. Knight's tale guy. Oh, he can't do that. And he yeah. got an Academy award posthumously for it. But that was the biggest thing about that movie is, Oh my gosh, that's Heath Ledger. It's almost like, give him a chance, see what it is. Yes. And if you don't like it, okay, not your cup of tea. Some people might, might do that, but I just think that Keanu Reeves is giving more, giving people a chance to, we know what he's really good at. And if he plays mm-hmm. in that playground, I think he can continue to have some great success, but I also applaud him if he wants to step outside of that, if he feels it's it's good for him. And I think he's been very selective because a lot of people saying, oh, when is, is he going to go back to DC, continue with Constantine, or when is Mar- the MCU going to pick him up? And I love the idea of thinking that, okay, where could he fit in the MCU? 
but in, in interviews, I think he's very selective. I think he just doesn't want to do things just because it's the end thing. He's going to do it that makes him happy, which is why he's done for these John Wick movies, because he likes it. He enjoys it. He gets to be a part of the process. Yeah, and I think with Constantine, like if you were to ask him, well, which superhero do you want to be? And I think he's not that interested in that question, Mm -hmm. but he wants to revisit Constantine. He's been banging that drum for a long time. You know, something about that character was compelling and interesting. And I think he believed in that movie and thought that movie was good, even when it Mm -hmm. bombed. And so the opportunity to go back to that is exciting to him, whereas like maybe the opportunity to do a Marvel movie is not as exciting, although it would be for most actors. But, you know, <laughs> he can be very selective if he wants to be. And, yeah. and he's I, I think, like you said, he he puts his craft first. And I really love that about him. Yeah. And I, and I think kind of closing out with, with looking at content, if you've never seen it, obviously see it, listen to the episode. But. It's not trying to be like it deal. Constantine's big into religion and the occult. It's not mm-hmm. a movie that's purposely trying to bash you over the head with bashing Catholicism and things like that. You have to look at it from the eyes of the character and what his life has been like and why he acts the way he does regarding organized religion and things like that. It's about thinking about if you were put in that position, you were doing that. What would you feel? How would you feel when this is going on around you? And in his view, the hypocrisy of what he calls what has he is one of my favorite lines in the movie said that when God and the devil make a wager for all the lives on earth for influence, they call it the they call it the balance. I call it hypocritical BS. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's an interesting take, right? Because we're used to either attacking religion outright Mm -hmm. or praising it. But this is like, what if it's all real? Yeah, but he still doesn't like it. Like, I think that's a very interesting place to be where it's almost like, um, you know, and I feel the same way about the Sandman series. It's kind of like all the supernatural stuff exists, but in like a almost more grounded way Mm -hmm. of like, you know, dealing with the politics and frustrations and hypocrisy. Like you said, it's just it's a really interesting take that we don't see a lot. It doesn't have a really hard bent, you know, but it's more like, let's just explore this. And I kind of like it when you let your audience kind of make up their own minds. Exactly. That's the best. That's the best kind. Yeah. Well, Chris, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for coming back and talking about this. I think you've been on this countdown several times over the years because you just (laughs) pick good movies um, and people like to listen to them. Um, Before you go, did you want to plug anything? Uh, Yeah. So I'm a part of the Geek Ultimate Alliance Network. So I have two shows on there. Uh, One is uh, World's Finest True Believers, where uh, once a month, the end of the month, I drop a new episode where... Uh, uh, the guest comes on and selects a comic book arc or graphic novel from any publisher. And we do deep dive into all aspects of it. And the mm. guest gets to fan, fan boy or girl out over their favorite parts and looking at the history. And Lisa, you've been a, a guest on there a number of times. Mm-hmm. And then my other so show, fun. my weekly show on there is a uh, Marvel Alliance. And every Thursday night audio drops Friday. Uh, my co-host Brent and I break down everything going on in the world of Marvel from the movies, the streaming to the comics. Amazing. Well, thank you again for coming on and uh, hope to have you back soon. Yep. And you can follow me at Chris Balga on Twitter. Great. Hey, this is Lisa and I, we are down to our number one episode of the year, which happens to be Zack Snyder's Justice League. And so I brought back my guest from that episode, Scott, to chat about it. Hey, Scott, how are you? You love me. You really love me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I was talking.
telling Lisa beforehand, I've actually been a little bitter over the past few years that I've never made one of these <laughs> best of episodes. And it's like, and then I finally make one and I'm number one. <laughs> Hooray. Yes. Um, I mean, we could talk about all the reasons why, <laughs> but I'm, I'm going to let you speak for a little bit. How, you know, why do you think this episode got so many votes and, um, you know, why do you think this movie has such a great impact on people? Well, I think it just has to go back to what we what we spent actually most of the episode talking about, which wasn't the movie itself as much as it was the journey to get the movie made. And mm -hmm. so I feel like that really uh, spoke to people. And then also, you know, I'm not going to lie. I retweet a vote and I'm like, hey, guys, I talked about Zack Snyder's Justice League. Vote for me. In my, in my circles, it's, it's like what Zach said on the vodka stream the other night when I was on it with him. It was, you give these guys an online task, they get it done. <laughs> so it's like, thank you, everybody who voted. I appreciate it. Yeah, but I think, too, like the, you know, a couple of things. I think your show and your your reach helps quite a bit <laughs> but i also think that like the, the the people that listen to this podcast really appreciate that movie quite a bit too so i think it's like a combination of things i know i'm just being i'm 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 not sure if it's false humility or if it's just i don't know <laughs> how to really answer that question i just I, I i'm actually kind of like taken aback that you know I did win. I, I honestly didn't expect to win. So it's kind of like, oh, wow, guys, thanks. I really appreciate it. Hope you enjoyed the conversation because I always, you know, along with, you know, you know, sharing the, the link, it was like, oh, by the way, like, here's the episode. Listen to it if you haven't listened to it yet, because it's also just about, you know, what a wonderful show that you put together and how part of the reason I'm, I'm so happy to be here is just to continue to be a part of your show and that you, you, you never get sick of me coming on to talk about a movie that I love. And I always, not at all. That. Always appreciate having you on. Um, yeah, I, you know, you and I had, I think different viewpoints slightly of this movie. Like you had a much more, I think, direct relationship with the film. <laughs> Is that the best way to put it? Uh, you know, I I think what we made a point about is like I I knew how the sausage was made. It was like I yeah. was I knew all the inside baseball. I, I so I didn't get to watch this movie just as like a, a a casual viewer. Like I was horribly invested. I was plugged into the Matrix as far as it was concerned with this yeah. movie. So yeah, yeah we definitely had different perspectives going into this film. <laughs> yeah. Um... I, you know, but, but we both really enjoyed it and it was definitely, you know, an episode that I wanted to cover. Um, and it was really interesting hearing all your stories about it and, um, just the experience that you had watching it. And the cool thing for me is kind of going forward is that, you know, at, at the time of this recording, I'm two weeks away from that full circle event that's going to happen in Pasadena, California, Ooh. where... I get to watch over the course of three days. I get to watch Man of Steel on a Friday. I get to watch Batman v Superman on a Saturday. And then for the first time ever, there's going to be a showing of the color version of Zack Snyder's Justice League in IMAX uh, in Burbank. And I oh, got nice. tickets for all of that. And so it's just, it's so amazing that back in like August, September, when we recorded that episode, 
and then you know by the time this rolls around it's like i'm you know the next time i'm going to watch it is going to be on a giant imax screen in california with some of those very people i talked about in the episode how you know the snyder cut is the friends we made along the way Mm -hmm. and there are people who i am going to be hanging out with and sleeping in the same house with and spending the weekend with that this is literally going to be the first time ever in the last you know existence that i get to meet them in person oh wow that's so pretty significant it's it is and so it just kind of once again it kind of ties into for me all that outside stuff of the movie itself that makes the movie even more special and the fact that i get to go see it for the for me the first time i'm ever going to see it not on my tv you know like i actually get to see it on a movie screen which for me is the way you're supposed to watch movies yeah totally and i think i i'm not sure if i mentioned this in our original episode but when i got to be part of the interview with tom holkenberg junkie xl he told us he he wrote 10 minutes of intermission music so there's a there's a whole new experience I'm going to get to get where I'm going to go see this movie in the theaters. There's going to be an intermission in the movie and there's going to be like 10 minutes of music I haven't heard yet. And I'm I'm just so jazzed to get to be a part of that. Wow, that's really cool. Like, uh, you know, your dedication, I think, to that movie uh, definitely paid off, you know, all the connections you made and um, all that time you spent. Um that's really cool that you get to have that full circle. I mean, it just kind of highlights the fact that that whole experience ended up being so special for so many people too. Like how often does this happen? Right. To where the audience um, has such an active role in getting a movie uh, released, basically. It, it's, it's few and far between and it, it's going to be, it's going to be so much fun because I mean, like we've talked about in that, in in our episode for your podcast about just the visuals and the epicness. And I think I, 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 I've said it's, it's the, it's the Lord of the Rings version of the DC universe. And to finally get to see that on a (laughs) giant screen is just going to be, I I, I'm just, I I want to be there with popcorn and a giant drink that I have to make sure that I don't have to go to the bathroom after four hours. minutes. To just get to experience that and then you know being with and, and then finally being able to experience this film with other super fans you might say you know once again not just me sitting in my living room on my tv you know watching it on hbo max or watching it on the 4k discs that i bought like it it, for me, what's going to be incredible is finally getting to experience that movie in that communal movie going experience. And I'm I'm super excited. It, it kind of ties into the fact that since I'm, you know, part of this sort of best of of the year, it just it, it, it speaks to getting to watch the movie with people like that, who like yeah. we all are just like, this is going to be a Super Bowl level event as far as being a movie nerd is going to be. And I'm, I'm so excited. 
Well, that's really awesome. Um, is there anything, you know, from this whole experience, uh, from the episode or from any of the interviews that you've talked about, like what, what is probably your favorite memory of all of it? You know, what it's going to be is it's going to be one of my favorite memories was I was on film junkies vodka stream the Friday night after the movie came out and it is no secret that I got royally inebriated over the course <laughs> of that stream. And one of the things my <laughs> drunk self did, because I was just so flipping happy, was I'm going to give you a hug and I'm going to give you a hug. I'm going to give everybody here a hug when I see you. So all I know is that at the end of April, I got a lot of hugging to do because I promised Aww. a lot of hugs. And and my sober self has to has to cash the check that my drunk self wrote. And so right. it's it. But once again, it's about it's about what m movies can do with their at their peak. And that is bring people together in, yeah, in, a, in a communal well experience. And so I, I feel like that the answer to that question that you just asked is the, the real answer is going to be getting to see it at the end of, you know, when I get to see it on April 30th. Yeah. Like that's going to be the answer to your question. Ultimately, the event's called full circle. So I feel like that's what it is. It's like, it, it's, it's coming full circle and finally getting to experience this with all my, with all my friends that I've strangely never met in real life. And <laughs> And, you know, and I went back and I listened to that episode that we recorded and it was once again, it was just, it was so much fun getting to talk to you about the you know, movie because once again, every, like you said, everyone has a different experience when you watch a movie or especially when you watch this movie Yeah, and it's just so fun to go. So what was it like for you? I want to hear your story. I want to hear your journey because the movie is a hero's journey. And it almost feels like that those of us who waited for it to come out kind of went on our own hero's journey along the right. way. And so it's it's this weird sort of life imitating art kind of situation. Absolutely. Well, Scott, thank you again for coming on. I'm sure I'll have you back again soon. Oh, but appreciate about you. possibilities <laughs> of what's going to come next. I, I'm, Absolutely. I, I'm, and I'm looking forward to that. So thank you so much for having me.